This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, everyone? We are checking back in on Monday, April 5th here. I hope you are doing well. Hope you had a great day. Hope you had a great Monday. We are going to discuss a couple different topics I think are of importance in Brown's circles uh, because we continue to just look forward to the draft. We are probably not going to see a ton of free agency shakeup movement. Uh, We did get a a rather large uh, landscape of the NFL trade today with Sam Darno, which Jared and I will briefly touch on here. But you're probably not going to see a ton of movement in terms of big players that are remaining on the free agency market. Because as we talked about last night, myself and John Colosimo, it it likely is going to be wait and see on the draft, see what positions you need filled. And then we'll see if we didn't get a player we wanted, or we don't feel great about a position we have here going toward training camp, you can then bring somebody in. So uh, I don't think we're going to get a ton of new topics, but I think we can still break down a lot of important names and a lot of important positions as we head toward the draft uh, because it is of intrigue. And there are a lot of roster spots that I want to discuss uh, before we get there. And we're going to do these weekly. So we have to talk about something as usual. If you would like to ask a question, feel free to ask a question in the comments section. We will answer those questions as best as we can. Look who's already here. My man, Lane Atkins. I got to get Lane on the podcast soon. He's probably watching this on Twitter. I got to get him here. He's the legend. He would bring in all the, all the views, man, coming from Lane. Listen, they want to know what you know, Lane. Come join us. So we're going to talk about um, everything that we know about a couple different positions and uh, welcome in Jared Mueller. He does great work on the uh, OBR's podcast, does great work article-wise, is uh, as a key member of our team. Jared, how are you? Jake, I'm doing all right, man. Getting old, so I'm going to yawn a couple times, but it's not because it's boring. This stuff is so exciting. It's been the lifeblood <laughs> of, of the Browns for so long. Well, listen, you take melatonin. Don't don't hide from the audience what you do. I'm pushing your bedtime right now. That's okay. That's okay. You were kind enough to come on. If Jared falls asleep, we'll just get him out of here and I'll I'll roll solo. So if the narcolepsy uh kicks in, we will uh we'll, hey, we won't hey, hold those, it against those him. five AM gym times, you know, those those don't come easy. <laughs> uh, well, I respect that. I, I have five AM my kid kicks me when he jumps into bedtime. So that's a little different. <laughs> um, but listen, man, let's talk first about this Sam Darnold deal. What did you think of it when you first started? Did you like it for Carolina or the Jets or uh, work for both sides? What'd you think? You know, I think it's gonna probably work for both sides at some level. I I was high on Sam Darnold. I thought his age and his development was going to be something that we would look forward to. But unfortunately, when you're placed with Adam Gase, you're you're going to struggle, right? Obviously, everybody's going to compare him to Ryan Tannehill because he was a former Adam Gase quarterback that got traded and was successful at Tennessee. But like a lot of things, 
this time of year, we're talking a little bit about an outlier. And so uh, I'm intrigued by what's going to happen. Moving from Adam Gase to Joe Brady is a pretty significant upgrade. Uh, and I think Carolina has a lot of good weapons for them to give up a second round pick next year for the ability to pay 20 some million dollars to Darnold is pretty extreme. They must feel really, really strongly about him mm-hmm. or really not like Teddy Bridgewater and the options they would have had in the draft. Uh, so I was a little surprised by the price that they gave up. Uh, but in the end, he's either going to work or he's not. Um, this allows them to add more talent around him in the draft as, as opposed to getting someone maybe they don't like now that San Francisco jumped up to the third pick. Yeah, you start to get dicey. It's tough to know what these these boards look like. But if I'm if I'm trading up to four now because the first three picks are locked in, and you knew this, Carolina had to call the Jets. Uh, or sorry, they had to call Atlanta and talk to them too. Like it's probably Atlanta saying, "Hey, man, it's not going to work out. We're not we're not moving off this pick. We think we're going to get the best position player available, non quarterback." So, or they could, you know, hell, they could surprise us and want a quarterback for the future too. But like. If I'm moving up to take a uh, to to get a pick, it's like now I'm moving up for what is the fourth best quarterback in this class. So like that's maybe you know you can rank those guys however you want to compared to others that are out there. But to go get Sam Darnold, only really give up a second when you could still move Teddy Bridgewater and recoup some sort of maybe top 100 pick as well. I think it makes sense for both sides. I think it makes sense if you look at the data and trends of people getting away from Adam Gase, what that could look like for (laughs) Sam Darnold putting in some real structure with Joe Brady. I think he's a good offensive mind. So like, I think it makes some sense. Teddy's got a ton of different places he could go. Denver's looking at quarterback probably still as an insurance plan. I think, you know, Washington, what do they pick 19? They could be still looking for a quarterback. There's some others out there too. So like, I think there's a deal that can be made to recoup some of that pick next year, but yeah, good for both sides of the Jets were, or, I, listen, I think everybody thought the Jets were going to take a, a quarterback at two. It's just a matter of they were going to say what they needed to say about Sam. So um yeah, I, I, I was not surprised by this move, and I think it makes sense for both sides. So let's put that NFL big news aside for the day, and let's talk about your recent article, uh, which is which is a particular intrigue to me because I know you have one coming up this week, which I'll be interested in. I know a lot of the fans will about the history of pick 26, what players have been picked there, some of your insights you can share on that. We're not talking about it yet. I want you to get that out in writing before we talk about it. But um, you talked specifically about player types, prototypes, body fits, athletic testing fits based on what the Browns have done opposite miles. So share a little bit of that information if you can. And uh, we'll talk about those guys as you kind of go through them. You know, I think it's really interesting when we look at where the Browns uh, have done. And again, we're talking very short amount of time under Andrew Barry, uh, but we know they uh, restructured Olivier Vernon last year. They were very interested in Jadavion Clowney and Tack McKinley. Those three players are not three kinds of players that are, are bending the edge uh, to bring kind of that pass rush Uh, kind of dipping their shoulders, those kind of things, ankle flexion, hip flexion, all of that kind of stuff. They're more of those strong players that are going to push the pocket. And I think that's a really interesting thing to see. Was that based on, you know, limited availability? There's not often a lot of bendy edge rushers that are going to be available at a reasonable rate, uh, especially second round and on or in free agency. So did they kind of go with what they had, you know, what was available to them or show interest in what was available or, Is it something where with Miles on one side, they want really kind of that high floor kind of player that they know is going to push the pocket, going to be stout against the run and not really allow the quarterback to escape outside. And so um, I think it's going to be really interesting as we look at pick 26 or maybe into the second round or with a trade down or up. You know, what does it tell us about what they're really looking forward to long term 
with that position because last year, if they got their way, it would have been Jadavion Clowney, right? They were looking to sign him to a multi-year big money deal. That tells us they were very interested in more of that big, stout, uh, push-the-pocket run defender versus someone who's a little bit smaller, going to bend the edge, those kind of things. So when you look at the draft, you're looking at a few different types of players that are that kind of fit different ones. Uh, so we can kind of talk through them a little bit. Um, you know, the bendy edge person is is Jason Owe uh, out of Penn State with very little sack production, um, but athletic testing off the charts. He would kind of be that different player. So he would kind of be that speed, bend the edge, along with Aziz Ojolari. Um, they're really going to do some of that. Quiddy uh, Pay, who's on the screen, um, is, is has some of that going on. So I think it's just an interesting dynamic to look at, at what, you know, which direction do they go in for that long-term guy if they draft edge at 26, where on the other side is a player like Gregory Rousseau, uh, the Miami defender who is big, long. I jokingly said him and Miles Garrett could stand with their arms uh, next to each other and take up the whole entire offensive line. So it'll just be really interesting as we look at some of these players, which uh, style they're looking for, or am I just reading too much into what was available? And the player that fits kind of both is actually Jalen Phillips, uh, a player whose medical issues are far more problematic than anything that we see on the field. So, Jake, as you kind of look at what the Browns have done and what you would want to do, uh, I don't know which direct. I don't think they 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 maybe don't have a specific type, but their recent history and their very short history tells us it's more likely to go along the Gregory Rousseau line. Uh, than Owe out of Penn State. I, listen, we have one year of evidence, and we certainly haven't seen them draft a defensive end. So it's like I, I kind of tried to put a mixed bag of guys up here. Even Milton Williams, who's on the screen here, who's, a, who's listed as a defensive tackle, but in my opinion is going to is going to framework more as an edge guy. Even though he's a above three bills, he tested like a freak of nature. So it's like I, I don't know. Do they do they do they go with somebody like Owe who can who who doesn't have sack production necessarily, but has the the moldable traits, the tools. Um, do they, I mean, in my opinion, Quiddy pays a home run cause he's a nice mixture of both. I think he's produced yes. decently and he's a nice, he's a nice athlete and he's got a good strong point. He really reminds me of Vernon, Olivier Vernon in a sense. So I think that'd be fine. Aziz is a little smaller, not much, but he's, I still think he's a very good player. He's got plenty of reps on film holding, setting an edge. Uh, I think he's got enough bend, more bend than we saw because I didn't think he had to bend necessarily all the time. He's one with a really nice long arm and a cross shot move. Um, you know, but he did have nice production too. So there's a mixture there. I guess we're going to see it's just, it's so hard, Jared, because we're trying to do a lot of projections and they pick 26 and we haven't seen them pick this low. So it's kind of trying to find what the best of both worlds is for them. It's confusing because Gregory Rousseau opted out in 2020. He was uh, 2019's number 15. Then Jalen Phillips transfers in. He's 2020's number 15. <laughs> so you saw two number 15s there. They're different players. I promise Jalen Phillips on tape, one of the best players in the draft. The problem is the concussions. Like you mentioned, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a, it's a, it's a remove them from the board thing, but much like Caleb Farley with two back injuries and surgeries. Now it's like, okay, do you want to risk a, a premium pick on a player who could be done if he gets another concussion? I guess that's the stuff we don't know when he gets behind closed doors, he gets to talking to doctors was his, I need to retire from football from UCLA due to playing for Chip Kelly. How, how serious was that? Like that, that's what you try to figure out. Rousseau's a little scary because he didn't test as well as we thought he was going to, which is worrisome. You're right. The body type and the sack production are, are there, but the body type uh, mixed with, with the athlete, I, I thought was going to be better. Uh, didn't, didn't quite pan out. So there's some risk involved in all these guys. And listen, when you pick 26, you're always going to have risks, right? Like things that we don't know, especially important positions where, you know, pick 26, if you're trying to 
take a running back is a lot less risk because it's typically the best running back on the board or right around there. So uh, what I like is that there's good depth. There's guys like Joe Tryon a little later. If you want to get Joe Tryon, say pick 59, uh, there's some, there's some good guys out there. And even later Ellerson Smith's a name that's out there later on. There's a ton of good uh, prospects that can be had at the S and it might be a double up type of thing, but uh, I would encourage everybody to go read Jared's piece on, on some of the information on guys that they have been either interested in free agency or interested um, in general for, for types of, uh, of guys uh, that fit the, the profile to what Olivier Vernon was and what, the, what they could potentially be looking for at edge two. Jared, go ahead, man. No, and I think the reality is, is that we don't know. And we're just trying to gather information. We're trying to gather understanding. I think the other thing that we're going to figure out or try to figure out is, do they really start to value coverage over pressure, right? So do they actually go corner? Do they go with another safety? You know, instead of doubling up at edge, do they continue to show that coverage is more important than pass rush? Now you need both, but I think we're, again, we're just trying to gather information. I think that's the most important thing to do. I think in the end, and the piece that's going to be coming out later this week is, you know, do they look for that high end? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Splash player, Browns fans, you know, we're used to looking at top 10 picks and we're used to look, wanting the guy who's just going to excel and be explosive and all that. Is that realistic at 26 or should they be looking for somebody a little bit lower uh, that has maybe a higher ceiling? I think that's going to be uh, kind of interesting. But the reality is with Jalen Phillips, you're right. It isn't on the field. It's the medicals. And from everything that I know, that's not something any doctor is going to know for sure. You can know you can you can look at knees and ankles and all that stuff. But backs, necks, heads, those are such the great unknown that you just have to assume you're going to get hopefully four or five years out of him. Uh, and then anything after that is a bonus. Yeah. And a great point from Patton here. who's commenting in this, uh, in the section here, which I encourage everybody to have discourse, talk about this stuff as we go through, man, it's a good place for Browns fans to congregate. It's a good place to get your questions answered too, but this is ultimately the butt section of the draft, right? If you're in the first round, you're talking about a lot of guys that have talent, but there's something, there's some caveat, there's some issue, there's some production, there's some trait they might be missing. So uh, you hope that you get a little bit more TJ Watt than anything else at the end of this and the butt doesn't become a big part of the problem and they can overcome it. So um, even if we talk corners, which I know you guys want to talk corners, it's going to be a premium uh, discussion and, and a lot of people saying we need to, to go get one, even if it means trading up. I agree. Jared and I have been talking about this all offseason so far, <laughs> in my opinion, that the, that the secondary was in shambles. Uh, more so than their pass rush, even before even before they went out and signed Tack McKinley. I'm like, they, their pass rush status quo is infinitely better than their secondary status quo, which they have now improved it to an extent. 
But in my opinion, they still need to improve it more. And I think this draft can lend to some opportunity to do so. And in, in, in the good thing I think we'll see at 26 is between corner, you know, there's probably going to be two guys. Sertan's gone. J.C. Horn's gone. Then they can go and look at the best of their board. Efeitu Melifonwu. Uh, they could like Asante Samuel Jr. They could like Greg Newsome. There's a number of guys still there at 26 that they can take if they grade them infinitely higher than any of the defensive end prospects. There could be two defensive end prospects on max, in my opinion, before they really get to the core of guys. So, you know, we list five guys here. There could be even more that they're interested in around that 26 range. And if they want to trade down a little bit, and then maybe the ideal thing is you trade down a little bit from 26, gather a little bit more and trade up from 59 to go get something else. So uh, an interesting, uh, interesting little note there. So, uh, somebody asked about Asante Samuel. Can he play with 30 inch arms? I think that's a good question. Uh, I think they definitely do want to look at a corner who has a different body type than Denzel Ward, a little shorter, a little thin, a little more fragile, but a guy who can really mirror run, do a lot of man to man technique things that we love, stay in the hip pocket, those things. They might be looking for a little bit more different body type, which is Melifon with a 6'3 and length type of guy. That is certainly something they could be looking for as they kind of differentiate between a boundary guy and a field guy or whatever route they go with. I know that they kind of split evenly after the bye week they split uh they split they split those guys uh Terrence Mitchell kind of stayed one side Denzel stayed one side we'll see what they ultimately do with that but I don't know I don't know I they could they could just be looking for the best player they feel is going to hit at that position or they could be looking for body types and traits and athletic ability because at that spot you kind of feel like maybe we don't need to rush a player and we can bring him along and mold that guy whereas if you pick a guy in the top 10 you're like hey man we need this guy to contribute right now so we need to get the best of everything so that's, that's, that's absolutely, yeah. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. And I think that's that's so important is when you're picking top 10, you're bad. And so you're not only are you picking a top 10 talent and they need to be able to play, that's kind of where you value that, you know, that top 10 pick. You know, everybody's got different tiers. And so top 10 might be one tier. Often it's top five or six is one tier and then so on and so forth. But at 26, you're looking at a guy that hopefully produces every once in a while. Uh, but you honestly starting outside cornerback as a rookie for a team that wants to compete for the Super Bowl is kind of problematic at some level. And so I think that would be concerning to me. Obviously, talent is important. You want players. Uh, but to assume you're going to find a starting level outside cornerback that's going to help you make it to the Super Bowl, get to, you know, whatever, uh, just seems to be a, a lot to ask for the 26 pick. Instead, you're hoping for a player that can contribute at times, um, but is going to have his ups and downs. And you want to rely on a little bit more veteran, even if that's a greedy Williams who hasn't played a lot, but at least he's been around the league a little bit. Uh, you hope that his health will also hold up as well. Yeah, I, I think that's that's spot on and, and, a, and a big question for for what they get at 26 in terms of we don't have the evidence. We need more. Uh, that's actually a great question. We need more um, uh, data. We only have one draft of these guys. We only have one piece of evidence from what what Barry likes. You could talk about him being connected to. Uh, Sashi Brown's front office, but we don't totally know that for sure in terms of what he independently thinks or what he agreed with or didn't in that room. So we need more data. And let's talk about our last topic today, which is if they take a linebacker. So here's a question that came up to me on Twitter. And, and listen, um, Paul's a good dude. I, I think he was kind of kidding. And I just kind of answered it how I feel. It's like we could talk about Zayvon Collins. We can talk about you, know, you could talk about Jamin Davis, who who's creeped into the first round. The kid from Kentucky here coming on the screen has creeped into Kentucky, uh, first round consideration because he's he's a freakish athlete. He tested off the charts for his position. It's like, look, I don't think they're going to take a linebacker based on what we know about them letting Joe Schobert walk, what we know about them taking linebackers in the third round, late third round or later, what we know about them not going out and getting one big-time guy this year. Uh, we just don't have any evidence that they really value this position. But – 
The question was posed to me, would you be upset? I would not be upset. If they view somebody like Zayvon Collins or Davis as better than the guys they have in the room and they think that's going to improve their defense and they feel like this guy, we know this guy is going, even if it's a position we don't necessarily value a ton, even if like they, they might view it as we need this position to be better than it currently is. And I would not be upset if they went out and got a guy like this. So, you know, the, I'm, I'm not advocating for them to take a linebacker. Uh, I like Collins. I think he has pass rush versatility and interior. I don't think he's the best guy in the box in terms of shedding second-level defenders, but I do think he's adequate enough, and I think he's a, he was proven in his, his last two years to be a pretty good coverage guy at the linebacker position too. So it's not like you're just getting a guy who can only rush and play forward. He was adequate. I, I shouldn't even say adequate. He was good playing coverage. So it's like – I think that even if, and I made this point, even if, even if they go heavy defensive back settings, dime, nickel, quarter, whatever, they still have to play a singular linebacker. And why not have a really good guy that can do all of it out there? So like, I'm not going to pigeonhole some of these guys. Like Nick Bolton was in the conversation too, the Missouri kid. He didn't test well enough to, to really continue to be in that conversation at 26. Again, I got to make sure that my point here is clear. I do not think they're going to take a linebacker at pick 26, or even if they trade into the 30s, I still don't think they will. But I definitely see a reason for which they would take one if they did. You could justify with me needing to get better at that position and wanting good football players. And Zayvon Collins is a good football player. I think Davis has a potential to be a really good football player in his athletic profiles off the charts and then a guy like maybe Cameron Grown later who I have up here from Michigan flying on the screen is another guy around pick 89 91 who could even go higher than that if they maneuver some picks is a really good player from Michigan so I'm not going to sit here and put guarantees I'm not doing that if the if the right players there that they like at linebacker they they could certainly go get them like that's just where I'm at with it I would not be fire off 82 angry tweets about the con <laughs> like the, the idea of, of if they took one and I think there are options for good football players at that position. What do you think? Absolutely. I mean, I think there's two things. One, what about Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski so far has given us any reason to doubt them, right? So if they choose a player, not that we're going to just yeah. say, oh, they're great, they're fine. But so far, right, like I had concerns about Jedrick Wills. I really did. Not not the whole right left, right tackle, left tackle. I just had some concerns about how he would play, and, and, and he they proved me wrong. He wasn't perfect or anything like that. But – what gives us any reason to doubt what they do? So if they pick that player, there has to be a little bit of trust. They've earned a little bit of trust, I think. But the reality is, is best. A lot of play, people talk about best player available and they talk about drafting for need. The reality is the NFL, uh, and I've probably written 10 pieces about best value available and best value takes everything to, into account. It takes into account their grade, their position, the need on the team. And so if Zayvon Collins, if uh, JOK out of Notre Dame, um, if, you know, whoever, Jamin Davis, whoever it is, if it fits best value given, yeah, maybe the position isn't as valued, but their grade is really high. And like you talked about, the talent on the team isn't really talent that the Browns love. If that gap is pretty big, well, all of a sudden you're drafting the best player available at a position that has some need. Maybe that position isn't as valuable, but there's going to be impact there. And so I think it's important to always be looking at all of those factors. It's not just position. It's not just talent. And it's not just who's on your roster. It All of that stuff plays together. And I think Zayvon Collins, like you said, he can play a little edge. Um, you know, JOK can play safety, can play slot. They can do a lot of things. Davis can pretty much do anything. So I just think it's important to be uh, open to those opportunities 
uh, to improve as players. Uh, and especially when you see the piece I have coming out on the last 10 years and the 26 pick, all of a sudden you're like, what, what, what should we be looking about and what has been successful? <laughs> so yeah, I listen, you guys can fire off comments about linebackers entirely off the table. That's cool. I don't disagree. I'm not here to argue that point whatsoever. Like I mean, I'm with you on the data. I'm with you on all that shit. Like I get it. But I also understand if they took somebody, I would understand. I I don't go into the draft to be an I'm right guy and you're wrong guy. There are guys that do that, and that's cool. Like that's your market, that's fine. But to me, I look at what is the rationale for picking that player at that point. If I can understand what your thought process was, cool. I have no reason to doubt you until you give me years of data um, of, of reasons why I should doubt you, which I thought by the end of John Dorsey's tenure, I thought there were reasons by which I should doubt him. So like, I get it. I get the linebacker stuff. It's not, it doesn't miss me. But what I'm saying is if they took the players that we've talked about at that position, I wouldn't be upset because it's a position they're still not very good at. Now they took three defensive ends that, or, you know, say they draft a defensive end this year and, and, and Aziz Lajari hits and, and Miles Garrett also hits. And you got two of these guys for the next four years. Well, why would they draft another first round D and that, that to me would be silly. Like they don't have a great linebacker. They could use a really good linebacker. Can they get by without one? Sure. That's fine. But you could always improve. And I think that if they took one, that's cool. Like I would be fine with it because they view that guy clearly to be the best available player to immediately come and impact the linebacker room. So, you know, is Malcolm Smith going to be here long-term? Maybe he might not even make the roster. They signed him another year. They gave him the minimum. They got guys that are fringe guys. I think we get a little too complacent based on the Browns win 11 and five last year and they want a playoff game. You can always get better. Like you can always get better. There are, there are definitely positions, man, where people are like, well, they're fine. I don't think they are. I think you can get better at those positions. And that's why I'm not, I'm not a believer of like, we should just get rid, like ignore safety. Like if there's a really good safety on the board, if Merrick's at 26 and they took him, cool. They, they can now have four really good safeties, find a way to play them all. So like, I don't know if you're coming to this podcast or to me on Twitter or whatever with hot takes about, about like looking for me to have like fiery takes about this is stupid or I don't, I don't do that shit, man. I don't do that about prospects or players. I do it about decisions on the field and how the football player performs. I'm a film guy. I'm not a, a, a table talk kind of draft. That's just not my shit. So uh, if, if they can, and like you said, the big point to me is they've drafted well so far until they give me reason to doubt them. I have no reason to doubt them right now. Well, and the reality is, and I think, unfortunately, we, we don't live in a world that likes this, but the NFL draft is a crapshoot. It's been a crapshoot. It's going to be a crapshoot. Everything you think about players you're going to be right sometimes. You're going to be wrong sometimes. Anybody assuming they know, period, because the people that get paid to do it, some are idiots, some are great at it, they they still struggle, right? You look at the Patriots drafts, the Packers drafts, they've missed players. So it's important to realize there's no right answer. There is no for sure that there just is no certainty at the NFL draft. So instead it's about understanding the process, learning, growing, all of those kind of things. Like for me, one thing that could lead to a linebacker, because you talked about having at least one on the field, John Johnson, the third can call the defense and may call the defense. Right. So I don't need a middle linebacker. That's a veteran that knows what he's doing because I have JJ three, right? Like, so that's just another little thing where I'm like, all right, let me have Zayvon Collins be the only linebacker. 
let me have uh, Davis be the only linebacker because I have this veteran calling the defense. I don't have to rely on a rookie. There are just so many variables in the NFL with a 53-man roster and everything that happens that assuming there's a right and a wrong way is fool's gold. It's a level of arrogance I just don't have. I have it about a lot of things like my hair, Stephen. It's on. Uh, it's it's on. It's just awesome. Like that's all it is. Um, but beyond that, I just don't understand that. That's just again. I'm with you. There is no right and wrong. I just can't have that argument because there's so many ways to win in the NFL. Yeah, like if you just want to get your take out there and to go back and retweet it with receipts like a year or two later, I guess that's cool. But like, I, I it's it, each their own in this endeavor. I just think that the fan or the, even the the analyst in this regard lives this hindsight. We have to live in hindsight. Like. When I look, I have to look back on your drafts. I'm not paid to look forward. As much as I even go to look forward at certain players, like if I got 100 out of 100 right, the Browns still aren't calling me for a job. So, like, <laughs> that's just not a thing. Like, I just am, I'm always going to be an analyzer later. I'll talk about guys I like, but I just, you know, it, it, I'm not counting anything out. And I just, I try to say, show me what you thought was right, Andrew, scouts, whoever. Show me on the field. Let, let me see him perform on the field. And if you're right, then we'll say you're right. If you're wrong, we'll say you're wrong. And, you know, if you stack together good classes a row, then you're going to be a winner. And, and this stuff takes care of itself. If you continue to struggle, then, you know, there, there might be a situation where we start to question a lot of the picture making. So, um, listen, who knows? I, I'm just it's an interesting topic to me. Uh, we're going to throw up some questions now with Jared here, which is uh, what do you think about Rondell Moore, major TV network ranks him with 23? I think Rondell's a fun player. I think he's another version of Tyreek Hill. If your offense wants to use that type of player to use him uh, to get the football in his hands quickly, a lot of what Rondell did at Purdue is get the football in his hands quickly in space and let him go. Another guy who I think has some burdens to what he does and what he's used to doing from a route tree perspective, but that doesn't mean he can't get there. I think Curtis Samuel was a limited route tree to Ohio State, but he got there. Can Rondell get there? I think he can. I think he's a good enough athlete, as we've seen. I don't know if there's a fit in this type of offense for that type of player. But if they took Rondell Moore, I'd be so excited about the things he can do in this offense and getting him the football in space. I would have zero issue with it. Zero. I think he might end up being a round two guy. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, speed, 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 like it's all good. And I think um, when you're talking about a team that wants to be, that believes it's getting closer to complete, adding that electricity is, is fine. Right now, if a team drafts him 20, 20th, and expects him to be a number one receiver. I think you're out of your mind to expect anything like that out of him in the first two or three years. Uh, yeah. You need different players around him. You need a, you need a decent offense. You know he's not the uh, Jalen Waddle type that or Demar Chase type that's just going to dominate. But yeah, let's get that speed. Uh, let's do so. Let's have somebody different who can do a lot of things. I'm, I'd I'd be fine with it. I think there's just better ways to spend uh, a high asset unless you do some of that trade down, trade up stuff. Yep, a good question here about Merrick, which I think we kind of have answered at this point. But you know, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be okay with taking as many versatile defensive backs. I still don't think they have a really true center fielder type. I think they have some guys who can do that, uh, but I don't think they still have a guy whose true calling is a center fielder. I think you could say Grant Delpit is, but I think limiting Grant Delpit to just center field is limiting him in general. Uh, I would I would not be I would not have a problem with Merrick here. There's some other guys I would not have a problem with, like uh, Andre Cisco from Syracuse, that type of center fielder guy. And you can get a little bit later, uh, but 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 yeah, I mean I, I'm more than open to more defensive backs, and I'm more than open more than open to Javon Merrick because I think he's a very good football player. 
Yeah, and I think the reality is is um, we need to look up theory of relativity when it comes to Ronnie Harrison. I'm not saying he's not good, uh, but we were comparing him to Sheldrick Wedrine and Andrew Sandejo last year, and I probably would have looked okay at safety compared to those two guys. Uh, so I think Ronnie Harrison is fine, but I think there's a lot of Browns fans who have him kind of a little bit higher in kind of how they see him than maybe he is, but maybe as a true strong safety with some versatility, he'll be in a better role this year. Uh, but I'm not sure they're going to make decisions based on the fifth round pick they gave up to get him and what he produced last year. Yeah, I think there's an interesting question. Uh, Steve is watching the show kind of judging us because he has, um, you know, he has his guys. Uh, is there anybody day three you're really interested in? You know, to be honest with you, there there isn't yet because uh, I've relied on Steven to, to just know all, all of the names. Uh, so I haven't really kind of focused on day three. I've been really so focused on some of those early guys because, honestly, I'm not sure day three guys are, are going to produce. I think they're going to get on IR for the year. I think they're going to be special teams guys. Like, I don't think after, you know, the first four picks in that range – they're going to have guys that are going to really produce unless they get kind of lucky. And so um, I've really kind of focused my energy elsewhere. What about you? Well, I'm interested in tight ends. I think Trey McKinnon, listen, I think tight ends a sneaky need because I definitely could see a world in which in 2022, if the situation arises where, um, you know, may, maybe Austin Hooper doesn't play as well as you would hope for, he could definitely be a guy who's on the cutting block. Uh, after his 2021 season, and then you start to look at, okay, maybe David Njoku's gone. Maybe they can't find a contract that fits for him, and then you're left with just Harrison Bryant. So, like, I've been looking at day three tight ends. Steve and I have talked about the idea of liking Zach Davidson, the Central Missouri kid who who has punted, whatever, but he's got a great body type and a great value for what he does. I need to see his testing. I haven't really seen that, but he talked to me about him a while back. I like him. Quentin Morris, kid from Bowling Green's nice tape. I think Trey McKitty has some nice tape, uh, the Georgia tight end kid. I am very interested in day three tight ends. I think they're going to be a position of interesting value and hopefully the Browns can come out of this with one because I like Steven Carlson, but he's limited and I think that they could definitely do better there. Uh, so uh, another question, uh, listen, somebody said day three, Milton Williams, I think over our dead body that he ends up in day three. I think he tested no too way well. In hell. <laughs> um, Thomas Graham is an interesting day three guy. Robert Rochelle is an interesting day three corner. Uh, there's some really interesting day three corners. Zach McPherson, and you might pronounce it Zeke, but it's spelled Z-E-C-H, whatever. Uh, he's an interesting Texas Tech, and I know our guy Mike Krupka likes him a lot. There, there are really good day three corners out there. True Williams probably doesn't get there, the Syracuse kid, but he could get there as sort of a round four guy, maybe. Uh, maybe. We'll have to see about that one. Um, interior guys I'm interested in. Drake Jackson, the two you mentioned there are obviously interesting. I think Quinn gets drafted early on. I think he goes late two into the third round. Kendrick Green will get that kind of same tag. I think the Drake Jackson kid from Kentucky is an interesting prospect, uh, a guy who moves well. I think he tested okay too. So I would be interested because you got to look ahead. J.C. Treader's not getting any younger. Joel Batonio's contract's coming soon. They might have to look at getting rid of the right guard situation. Why Miles Teller, I don't know if they can afford it. I think they find a way to pay Miles, but – or. Uh, um, sorry, Wyatt, but I think that it's definitely something of intrigue, even with the guys that they have coming back for sure. Um, I think it's such an interesting, the offensive line is so difficult because there's just so many guys, right? Michael Dunn, he showed well for that short amount of time. Blake, uh, Chris Hubbard, Drew Forbes is returning. There's just, there's a numbers game there that could make that a little bit difficult along with Nick Harris as possibly the future center of the future behind or beyond JC Treader. Yep, listen, somebody mentioned here Barmore from Alabama. I like Barmore. I think he's a pass rush specialist inside, which is so rare. Uh, he doesn't play the run game effectively. He's got some really bad reps where 
it's his body turned around. But if I'm getting a guy who plays inside and can rush the passer above all else and can play the run a little bit on the way there, sign me up. So I'd have no issue with Barmore. And I think if you paired him with Sheldon, Billings for a year, we'll see what Billings becomes. I, I need to see more out of Jordan Elliott. I've talked about him. I've wrote about him. Um, is Tack enough with, without Clowney? I'm interested. I tweeted out. I saw what Tack just seemed really, really pumped to be in Cleveland. And I think a change of scene might be really good for this young man. I just think the Dan Quinn situation got really ugly for him at the end. Maybe he amounts to nothing, but I just am very interested. Uh, I'm very interested in him, man. And I, I, I think he could have an eight, nine, 10 sack season and he's still young. And I think that that can, that can come for him, especially he won't be the focused pass rusher in Cleveland. So he's going to get a lot of opportunity. Somebody here mentioned Peyton Turner at 59. I like Peyton Turner. I'm, I'm not sure he gets to 59 and I'm not sure there aren't edge guys. I like a little more than Peyton Turner, sure. who I think is, a, I think he's fine, but I think I like a couple of guys like try on a little bit more at pick 59, if it gets to that. So, um, that's it. That's all the questions I have for now. We will be back. Listen, the beautiful thing is I'll be back tomorrow. I'll be tomorrow. back the next day and come <laughs> on and join us. So, uh, Jared, thanks for joining, man. This is a ton of fun. And uh, we will, as usual, have this up on, on my feed. And and uh, make sure you're listening to the Orange and Brown podcast as well, which Jared hosts, does a fantastic job. If you're not already subscribed to that channel, please do so. You can go back and rewatch this podcast if you want to complain about something and leave a comment that's permanent on the YouTube channel. But subscribe to that. Join us at the OBR for a dollar for your first month, and we can prove it to you that we're worth your time. Really would appreciate that. And subscribe to this YouTube channel so you get notified whenever we go live at any time. And you can join us and talk rounds because this is going to be a very frequent thing. So, Jared, again, appreciate you, bro. Not a problem, Jake. Have a good night, man. All right, guys, we're signing off. As usual, the rounds. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.